Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are here with me today. I got a very interesting show in store for you today. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I really want to thank my guest from last week, Robert Weiss, the... um, uh, relationship uh, therapist and counselor. Really a good, good show talking about uh, w- what to do when men get caught cheating, uh, a topic I'd never spoken about in the seven years I've been doing the show. So uh, it was a really good show. If uh, you guys missed it, please go uh, check it out. It's on the talkradio.nyc and the, the Facebook live stream uh, as it is today. It was on my uh, timeline. Um, so I, I hope uh, if you listened you enjoyed it and if you didn't check it out all right let's get started oh before we get started just a little quick reminder for all of my new york peeps everybody who's local in new york city come on out next thursday uh may 25th Uh, The Conscious Business Collective. It's our monthly meeting from 7 to 9 p.m. You can get all the details on meetup.com slash conscious dash biz, B-I-Z, dash collective. Please RSVP and come on out to the meeting. All right, let's get started with our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham. Let's see what the universe and Abraham has in store for us today. First, from the universe. Has it struck you yet that answers come before questions, that healing begins with illness, and that you can't have a dream come true without a time when it hasn't? Shoot, isn't it all so perfect? Everyone, no matter where they are in their journey, can be happy. Tally-ho, the universe. <laughs> ah, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. Really uh, uh, a good one. And, and actually something uh, that's uh, very interesting and very good to be mindful of. And that is that, yes, like questions, uh, answers come even before the questions show up sometimes. And that, you know, the... Illness, the healing begins with the illness. I mean, what is illness is or dis-ease? It's really just the body trying to heal itself. It's it's there. There's something stuck, and we need to get it to come out. And and yeah, like we all have dreams that we're working on, but they wouldn't be dreams if they were here already. If we already had everything that we ever desired. Ooh, getting lots of thumbs up on the Facebook live stream. Thank you. And Jonathan, ah, an old dear, old, old, old friend of mine from elementary school listening in. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, that, you know, it's if we all had everything instantaneously, we wouldn't have dreams. We'd be so satisfied. Everything would be great, hunky-dory. There would be no need to strive to work towards anything, to dream about anything. Um, but as, as Abraham likes to say, and I'll get to the Abraham quote in a minute, you know, it's the contrast that gives us desire. It's that, you know, experiencing something that allows us to say, hmm, you know what? This isn't quite what I want to experience. And that creates in us that desire and that intention to create something different. And just by experiencing that and having that intention, hey, you guys know that means we're on our way to manifesting that very thing. So a very nice quote from the universe, very Abraham-ish. Let's see. uh, More thumbs up. Great. Let's see what the universe has in store for us today. I mean, Abraham has in store for us today. You know what? This is actually, I'm looking at this quote now. It's kind of like a universe quote. I I think Abraham and the universe got reversed today. I don't know what's going on here. So from Abraham, the universe is not discriminating about the rightness or wrongness of your request. It is here to accommodate all requests. All you have to do is be a vibrational match to your request and the universe will yield it to you. Hmm, Abraham. Again, like, you know, sometimes these quotes are like in such perfect alignment. It's like you can't even tell which one was from Mike Dooley in the universe, which one was from Abraham. So this is a great one from Abraham reminding us that the universe really doesn't judge anything. 
Right? The universe doesn't say this is good, this is bad. Oh, that that's a good thing to work on. That's a bad thing to work on. Oh, let me bring you this because that's a good thing. Let me bring you that. Um, oh, I shouldn't bring you that because it's a bad thing. Now, the universe doesn't work like that. That's a very human construct, judging things as good or bad. The universe, all it really does is it just allows our desires to manifest. However, you know, people say, yeah, but Sam, come on, I got lots of desires. None of them are manifesting. And I say to you, well, yeah, it's going to manifest those desires that are a vibrational match to what you're putting out. So it's not what you think you want. It's not what you say you want. It's what is the energy you're putting out there? What kind of energy, what kind of frequency what kind of a feeling are you putting out into the universe that's what comes back to us so the more we put out a happy joyful elated vibration or energy or intention into the universe more happy uh, elated joyful stuff comes to us Right? And if we, if we complain about everything that's going on, if we focus on something that is un, not pleasing to us, the universe doesn't know it's not pleasing to us. The universe is like, oh, gee, this guy is like really focusing on like violence and, and, and fighting and, and all this nasty stuff. So I guess if that's what they're focusing on, that's what they must want. And it gives us more and more and more and more of that in our life. And when we focus on peace and joy and love and having friends and coworkers around us who are just supportive and wonderful to us, and that's really what we're focusing on, then the universe is like, oh, that's what they want. Okay, let's bring them more of that. You know, the universe is like a giant Google search engine. Whatever you put in, that's the answer you're going to get out. You put in, you know, how do I, you know, create world peace? You'll get lots of responses how to create world peace. If you put in, how do I make a dirty bomb and kill lots of people? Now that's what you're going to get back. Of course, you may get a knock on the door from the FBI if you put that into your Google search engine. But it will basically just respond to you whatever you put into it. The universe is the same way. It responds to whatever we put in into the universe so if you want to change the way things are around you if you want to change your environment if you want to change what's happening around you focus on those things that you want and focus on the energy it takes to be aligned to those things that you want and give it some time you keep that focus whether it's here or not is completely besides the point. But you keep that focus on what it is that you want to attract. And sure enough, the universe will bring it to you. Now, it doesn't always bring it to you on our timeline. The universe has its own timeline. But it surely will. And you really never have to know. And again, going back to what Mike Dooley said right it it all begins with what we're experiencing right and and personally i just say you know the easiest way to change things is to not to judge it and not to focus on it because the other thing too is like when we judge something and we make it wrong and we make it bad and like oh this isn't supposed to happen we just it makes us hold it that much more in our uh, awareness in our consciousness and so that will just keep it around that much more so again, it's like, okay, this happened. Interesting. All right. Interesting is sort of, you know, not good, not bad. It's just interesting. Interesting. I wonder what it would be like if I experienced this other thing instead. And that's where we hold our focus and our attention. And that's the direction in which we go. And I know a lot of this sounds very woo-woo. And some of you are like, come on, Sam, that's not the way the real world works. But it actually is. Because where we hold our attention, that's where our neural pathways start to form. That's where our unconscious starts to move in that direction. And so by holding these things in our intention, in our focus, we literally start to lean and move in that direction 
from a very like physical psychological uh, perspective as well. So while I'm talking from more of an energetic perspective, it still has an effect on uh, the physical mundane reality. So two wonderful, wonderful quotes from Mike Dooley in the Universe and from Abraham. I hope you enjoyed them. We'll have two more for you next week. And very apropos quotes, and it is my pleasure now to introduce to you my guest, Laura Baxter, who is an American opera singer and performance coach who has studied the effects of voice and body on nonverbal communication and leadership for the past 25 years. She brings together her experience to help her clients perform and communicate better. In addition to her many stage performances, Laura was the singing voice of Faye Dunaway in the feature film A Handmaid's Tale. She was on the faculty at Duke University prior to her move to Germany, where she is calling in from. Really appreciate you taking the time uh, from Germany. And uh, she's the recipient of the prestigious Louis Sudler Award for Arts at Emory University. And Laura is co-author of several uh, German books. And she has a new book coming out any minute now called Dealing with Divas and Other Difficult Personalities, A Mindful Approach to Improving Relationships in Your Business or Organization. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Laura. Thanks. Thanks, Sam, for having me. Uh, it's great to be here. It's wonderful to have you. So we, we just got a little bit of time before we go to break. Um, uh, but I just wanted to ask you, like, how does an opera singer um, get into... Uh, uh, mindful approaches to relationships the, the, you know you wouldn't often think of those two things as going together would you <laughs> not really no especially when i think of a lot of yeah how, how life is on the opera stage actually it, it has to do with um uh, how what happened to me after i got here in germany and um yeah how my career sort of uh, took a whole different uh, path um and and no, you know, actually, it really did start before that, Sam. I I started doing meditation and um, visualization when I was 13 years old, oh, wow. and um, that helped me all throughout. Has helped me all throughout my operatic career and concert career, where I really started helping other people as a coach, working with their, uh, working, helping them to be able to be centered and focused and. Um, really have a strong inner strength and inner presence uh, that happened much later that that happened after i got i got to germany um and in that process i we started a family and when I did my auditions, I continued to do auditions here. I realized that I was sort of sabotaging the uh, sabotaging the auditions, and that was a fascinating process. So I decided to look into mental training, uh, mental, uh, mental training in all different kinds of um, in different kinds of ways, where basically mindfulness, um, also meditation. Uh, so what you were speaking about about you know be asking the universe to to support you um it's just a very real part of of that work yeah beautiful beautiful just just real quick before we go to break so how long have you been in germany now 23 years now oh, <laughs> 23 years wow yeah wow. it's just uh, one of the things we expect in the american opera scene we expect that our opera singers in the states at some point go to europe yeah. and for me um I somehow knew that this was sort of uh, for a lot of different reasons um, where I was going to end up being. And um, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so hold on. Uh, we're gonna, uh, hold on. We're going to take our, our first break, and when we come back, uh, let's uh, start talking about dealing with divas and and what you learned as an opera singer that kind of uh, moved you in this direction of helping people in in dealing in communicating better. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're, we're, we're talking this hour with opera singer Laura Baxter, an author, and we will be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow, Follow Me, Me Friday, Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with author and opera singer Laura Baxter. So, Laura, you, you, we just started touching upon at the end of last segment about how as an opera singer and moving to Germany and, and you know, kind of coming on stage, you found yourself kind of sabotaging yourself a little bit. Um, but how did that lead to, to and, and you, uh, meditation and mindfulness? Um, but when did you actually uh, decide to help people, um, or, or, or maybe that this is an incorrect question, uh, sort of outside of the opera world? I mean, there's, wasn't there some point at which, you know, I know you were coaching other opera singers, but, but when did you sort of step out of that into something broader? Well, that really happened when I started working on mental training. Um, I guess about 15, 16 years ago, um, around 1999, um, was when I finally decided I really need to look at what's going on when I'm doing auditions. I still you know, did a lot, still had um, did a lot of performance and had concerts and everything else, but things uh, just the auditioning process was not as easy as I, I thought it would be and at that point i went to um i went to a uh, seminar here in frankfurt uh, by tony robbins uh, and which one was I, that? Was that Unleash the Power Within or Date with Destiny? It was the Unleash the Power Within, yeah. Yes. And it was very powerful, very, very, very powerful and moving. And um, it was interesting because I, I began then to read about the different methods that he incorporates in his work and yeah. learned about NLP. And I realized that would be an, to understand NLP would be um, to be able to understand the psychological side of performing. Basically, what if for, for those who don't know, neurolinguistic pro programming has a lot to do with behavioral psychology. It's got a lot to do with understanding how we function and deciding what behaviors we want to keep, what be what behaviors that we want to to change or improve, um, and in that in this process of learning about that, I decided it was time to to. Um, get certified, and uh, I went through every, all of the possible certifications. I'm actually a master trainer in NLP, oh, um, and then quite a few other hypno hypnotherapy and uh, quite a few other forms as well, right. just so that I could understand what, go what really goes on in our heads. And initially, my intent was to be able to help me myself. You know, when I was doing auditions, and to help my students at the university. Right. But as soon as I began to get into this mental training world, uh, companies actually came to me and asked me if I would work with their executives on their oh. performance, on vocal technique, on, on body language, and especially, and that's my main topic, presence, uh, so owning the room. Okay. And in my work with, with presence, uh, I've found that you've got people that work on just the inner presence and um, basically you know meditation uh, staying calm centered and focused and uh, you've got others other trainers that work on the outer presence on the body language the voice owning the room um, and I found that you really need both right. you, you can't separate one from the other if you I mean we all know people who have this incredible outer presence you know right. um, where they can they walk into a room they own the room we're all amazed at it but an inner presence of really being able to be centered and focused that ability they don't have right. I think we all know people also who are very calm and centered and focused and have a strong inner presence um, but when they when it comes down to wanting to um, 
to engage with others, to also show their enthusiasm for, some, for something, or give a presentation, own uh, own the room. That that's more difficult for them then. Right. So I began looking at really this, this whole aspect of presence and what that is. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and and uh, so I know you've written uh, or you've co-authored a few books prior. What was the inspiration for you to work on this new book dealing with divas? Well, that was um, that had to do has to do with uh, when I work with my clients on 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 their presentation skills, not only presentation skills, but also this whole concept of, of presence. Right. Uh, the people that tend to come to me are people who really, they're not people who have not ever been on a stage. You know, it's not, to, they're, they're people who usually have given a lot of presentations in their lives and they're, right. they feel very comfortable on stage, but they know that this situation that they're about to come into, whatever it may be, they're bringing a new product onto the market um, or they're, uh, having to defend something that went wrong in the company, basically a crisis situation, they know that they're going to have to give a, uh, some sort of press conference or some sort of a talk about that this thing, the product or the or the whatever happened, um, and they come to me so that, that to work on during this presentation being centered and focused in other words also being able to remain calm as they're getting questions from journalists questions from possibly the co the competition uh, to know if they're actually com coming under attack or not and in all this work on combining the inner and the outer presence i realized one of the things that takes us out of our center more than anything else is the other person uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that means someone who, uh, yeah, it it could be if you're talking about stage fright. Oh, I I don't want to give this talk in front of that person, or or so and so is going to be there. So what what will they think about you know? Or if it's about um, holding a board meeting um, or leading a team, very often the problems that arise in the team have to do with with conflict situations between different team members or the fear that we may have in a presentation situation has to do with actually other people right. and that was the initial inspiration of this book <laughs> gotcha 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 and and so when did you like how long ago did you start working on it oh about three years ago oh okay all right and so um and and so uh, I imagine that you sort of pulled upon uh, a lot of your own experience and working with clients uh, to kind of formulate the ideas. Why don't you give our audience maybe, you know, what are some of the basic uh, uh, tenets of, you know, creating a more mindful approach? Like, like how do we yeah. just even get started? Like, you know, we know we're going into a meeting. We know there's somebody who's not necessarily going to be that friendly there. You know, how do we get started trying to um, show up in a better way and be more present? Yeah. Well, the book itself is divided into two major parts. And um, the first part, the first half of the book has to do with us and our inner state. And the very first part of that, I, I go through exactly what happens, how other people control, if you want to use that word, our minds. Mm -hmm. Now, the, in other words, what actually is physically happening, happening when we're confronting or when we're coming into a situation where we have to be with this person that we don't, don't like or don't feel, uh, feel comfortable around, this person that seems to um, take over our yeah, take our space, make us feel small, or however you want to define it. Right. So the first half of the book has to do with understanding what's going on and creating an incredibly strong inner state okay. so that the reader is capable of remaining calm and centered and focused no matter what comes at him or her. And then the second half of the book is, about, is actually about building a bridge to that other person. One of the things I use in my work is the personality analysis, the structogram, the biostructure analysis. And in the book I talk about the different qualities or the different characteristics that people have so that we can figure out what, what it is that they want. Because at the end of the day, the goal of this entire the book is that the reader remains centered and calm and focused and that the reader gets his or her goals done, whatever it is they want to do. Right. 
And in that process, it may well be possible or it's easier to get our goals done when we understand what the other person wants to do. When we understand what the other person's needs are or desires are, um, even it seems a little counterproductive when I think I don't like this other person, you know, why do I want to help them find their, you know, reach their goals as well? But if we understand what their goals are, then they may well be willing to help us right. reach our goals as well. Right, yeah. I've heard that in the past referred to as enlightened self-interest. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's you know, we, we, we all basically want what we want. We all want to have a good life and do things. But most of the time in order to achieve that, it involves other people. And if you're going to be truly selfish, then you're going to have to help a lot of other people get what they want so that they will do their best to help you get what you want. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, with our goals for our goals ourselves, as well as the goals of the other person, and the goals of the organization. Often, I mean, I've worked with team leaders who really, at the outset, they believe that that's all the same thing. So they're working in this team, and they said, "Well, their goal is to get the job done." Right. And we start looking at it, and, and for example, um, uh, one client I worked with, he was really dead set the job is the goal of our whole thing here is to get it get get the job done that's it and then you know we can go on to the next thing then we're successful and i started asking i said what do you get out of this what if the job gets done what do you get out of it and in our discussion he realized that actually with the success of that project it would mean that he would most likely get a promotion So he had not just the goal of getting the job done with the team, but but also being able to to come into or be in a position where he would most likely get a promotion. And in addition to that, um, there were several other what I call hidden agendas or secondary goals that he had that also were, you know, that would be accomplished if the, so to speak, job were done, if if the team reached its goals. And as we looked at, at then the goals of the other people, though, they didn't, the other people in the team, they had, each of them had their own goals. Some were very, very focused on the project they were working on. Some were very focused um, uh, on their own goals and their own future in the company. And in that, it was very important that, that, that the team leader understood exactly where each and every one of them were in their mindset, in their goals, uh, in their their wishes. That's so. You've got the goal of the of the person himself, the, the the team leader. You've got the goals of these individual persons, and then of course you've got the goal of the organization, which, to put it yeah easily, is basically to get the job done. Right. That's right. also putting that rather simply because an organization can also have hidden or secondary goals, right. secondary right. agendas. Yeah, and so it's important, important to understand all of those goals in order to in order to really have a to create a win win. Literally a win-win-win situation. Right, right. Because, you know, we have our own sort of individual goals. You know, like you said, like we may be looking to get a promotion by finishing this project, but that doesn't mean everybody working on the projects looking it will get a promotion. You know, we need to be sort of a little mindful of, well, what are all the individual um, rewards that different people will get for, for putting the extra effort in, for going the extra mile, as we like to say. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. All right, l- let's take our, our next break. And when we come back, um, maybe you can give us some examples of, of clients that you've worked with and, like, you know, how to deal with that difficult person, whether they're a, a coworker, a boss, or a subordinate. And, you know, what are some things we can do when we are confronted with somebody who's just being very obstinate? Okay? Mm-hmm. All yeah, right. gladly. Everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. If you have an interest in marijuana, you want to know about marijuana, law, policy, and culture, 
then feel free to join me, Joseph A. Bondi, every Friday at 11 o'clock in the morning on my show, In the Know 420 on TalkingAlternative.com. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with Laura Baxter all about uh, dealing with divas and other difficult personalities, a mindful approach to improving relationships in your business or organization. Um, by the way, Laura, has the, has the book come out yet or is it about to come out? When's it coming out? It's about to come out in about, actually in two weeks it'll be out. So, okay. um, yeah, um, for those listening to this who have, a, have access to your website, there'll be a link as to where to get it. And I've got several different things that we can talk about at the end that I would like to offer for those that, that, oh, uh, wonderful. that wonderful. get the book. Yeah. Okay, great. So now uh, l- let, let's talk about a common situation, something that you know I get coaching clients come to me sometimes about. You know, they're working in a company. They, they kind of like their job, but they have this one and it could be a boss, it could be a coworker, it could be a subordinate that just makes their life miserable. And they just, yeah. if it mm-hmm. wasn't for this one person, they would love going into work every day, but this one person just makes their life so uh, unbearable, like they can't even stand going into the office. So yeah. how do we deal with this person in a way that isn't going to drain us and, you know, helps to manage them so that they don't infect all the other people working around them with their, uh, you know, obstinance? That's a great question. And that situation is, is not uncommon. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of different studies out about uh, engagement at work, active engagement, um, disengagement, and active disengagement. Um, and one of the main causes, and it's uh, of active disengagement, in other words, employees that are so unhappy mm-hmm. in their situation that they actually actively speak against the company itself, right. um, is interpersonal relationships. That exactly the situation that you just described, that someone, there just is someone in the office or on the team that makes makes you feel absolutely terrible for whatever reason. and. It can also, the client, for example, the description you just gave the client, it can be that when they walk in the door of the building, they start to feel sick. <laughs> they have stress. You know, they right, they feel, feel the energy as soon as they walk stomach. in the door. And that, that's sad because that can be avoided. That really can be avoided. Um, for those listening sort of um, on the go, uh, the, my book is, I've, I've got, the book is written according to the acronym DIVA, of course. Mm-hmm. So that makes it a little easier. I'll, I'll give you some tips according to the, the DIVA plan itself. Okay. Um, the very first thing to know is a DIVA, though, is not necessarily a stereotypical larger-than-life person that comes into the room and takes over. Right. That's one form of a DIVA. Right. But... Uh, people who have a larger-than-life personality, very dy- dynamic personality, they actually tend to find other people with a very dynamic personality <laughs> attractive. 
It's sort of uh, energy building on energy, and that's great. For them, the right. people that are more difficult are more the introverted people, someone who's very introverted, who is more of a planner and needs to have more information before they can make a decision and they, they hesitate. That type of personality is, is more what the dynamic person would find difficult or possibly even call a diva because mm-hmm. they believe this other person is trying to control the situation. Uh. So yeah, the very first step um, in beginning to, to cope with a situation, if you, if you happen to have a diva, in quotes, a, a diva in your life, someone you find difficult, is to define the situation. Mm. So actually analyze when you are with this diva, this person, or these persons. Um, because, I mean, for example, I, I was working in a rather large uh, um, company here in Nuremberg um, who, where one of the clients I was working with, we went, we were working on a presentation he, that he, he had to give for his employees, and then we went into this coffee room, and all of a sudden he got very tense. And uh, we just took a you know break and went into the coffee room and and I said you know what what's wrong and he and he started telling the story of a of an employee of his who he found just very difficult and every time he would get went into this coffee room he sort of remembered that situation mm-hmm. and when I asked a bit you know more about the situation when exact, exactly you know does he encounter this this person. He said, well, actually, she's no longer with the company. Oh, okay. And so often we relive scenes in our heads of situations that no longer exist. Right, right. And and one, I I gave a seminar for... um, for the leadership teams of a, of a rather large city in, 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 in Hessen here in Germany. And we did this exercise, exactly what I'm talking about now, about defining the situation. So literally writing down when you encounter this difficult person. Do you encounter this person uh, through emails? Do you encounter this, you know, so basically, basically virtually? Right. Do you encounter this person through um, through uh, uh, virtual conversations or you know telephone conferences, or actually, do you come in personal contact with this person? And if so, where and when? How often? And then the next step is to def- to recognize actually the times and literally to imagine the time where you're encountering that diva, diva as being a field that you step into and step out of. Mm-hmm. And to understand that when you step out of it, you really do not have to think about that person or that situation again. And it was interesting when I gave this seminar in, in, um, you know, in this rather large city here with, with this team, all of a sudden one of the, uh, the participants just said, wait a minute. And I said, what? And she said, <laughs> she said, I actually don't have any contact with this person at all. I said, what do you mean you don't have any contact with this person? I said, actually, the only contact I have is through other people telling me about this person. Ah. And, and she just kind of looked at it, and she, she was in charge of a rather, she was in charge of the um, uh, social services uh, uh Social services uh, section of the of the gov- of the city, and so she had a lot of stress. Right. But she realized in that moment that some of the stress was coming from something that had nothing to do with her. her. Right. So it was nothing that was direct in her actual experience, but it was all secondhand. People talking about wh- how awful this other person was. Exactly. Uh. And and she you know got caught up into that. Because she wanted to be, you know, sympathetic or empathetic with with her her uh, other employees, but or for whatever reason, you know, maybe the stories were interesting, or maybe she had had one brief encounter. But she literally looked at the paper and that she where she had written everything down, and she said, "I don't have contact with this person." <laughs> and then she at that moment she could she literally could let go. Yeah. That's. Most that's that's more of a of an exception than the rule. Usually, we do have more contact than that, but just defining the situation gives us more control over when and where and how we have to actually encounter or think about this person or even deal with this person. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because second, 
I'm sorry, what? Yeah, no, I was just saying, like, it's very good to kind of really define things to see what is the reality, because oftentimes there's this image in our head of what the situation is like, and then there's the actual truth of the situation, the sort of objective, what are the actual facts? So it's exactly so being clear exactly. on those two things. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and once, the, once you define the situation, part of defining the situation is also defining your own goals, both what we were talking about a minute ago, your main goal and also your hidden agendas. And then the second step is creating a strong inner strength. So just coming back to the diva, you've got defining the situation and now an inner strength. And you can do that in a lot of different ways. Um, obviously, meditation is one. It's very important to be able to find your own center, to be able to find a deep breath. This is also where the mindfulness comes in. One of my chapters, it's my favorite chapter in the book, is called The Four Most Powerful Mental States. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, we like that. And the four most powerful... I'm sorry, what? I said we like that. Oh, we like that. And it's it's so much. I mean, Sam, so much of this is what you talk about with the universe. It really is. Um, it, it just really is. It's The four most powerful mental states are the state of love, right. the state of gratitude, mm-hmm. the state of forgiveness, mm-hmm. and the state of play. Ah, play. I like mm, play. Yeah. Yeah. And, the other, and what I encourage my clients to do is is take a moment, especially I think probably two easiest of those are the state of gratitude and the state of play. Yeah. The state of forgiveness, um, forgiveness itself is it's a process. It's not an event. Right. But it begins with the decision to forgive. And that's one of the most, when you're dealing with difficult people or someone you find to be very difficult or someone you think has wronged you, yeah. um, it's the, the process and the state of forgiveness is very, very important. Right. It's, not, it's, it's just not quite as simple as perhaps the state of gratitude or the state of play. I say that as if gratitude and play were simple. <laughs> but the state of... Um, yeah. The state of by the, with the state of gratitude, what you can do, and that's why I say it's a little sim- more simple than forgiveness, is just start a journal and write down what you're grateful for. Yes. Oh yeah, I'm I'm real big on that. I I tell all my clients to start their day with at least five things that they're grateful for in their life and write them down. It it is so important. Uh, they've done there there've been a lot of studies about what people who describe themselves as being successful, whatever that means, if it means rich or if it means, you know, having a successful career and traveling or whatever, people who define themselves as as successful and they consider their life a success and they are happy with their lives as as it is, um, the most common emotion that they feel very consciously is gratitude. Yes. And so bringing gratitude into your life is so very important. Yes. Um, and bringing, uh, bringing play into your life is kind of a fun, you know, that's a very fun thing, basically. Yeah, um, yes. I saw, if you can kind of picture this in your head, several years ago I saw, the, um, I saw some pictures by a German photographer. His name is Norbert Rosing. And um, he's one of the most well-known influential photographers of our time, one of the top 40 influential Mm -hmm. photographers of our time. And he did a series of pictures on polar bears. Um, In general, he does a lot of polar bears. But uh, he did one particular set set of pictures that he took at the Hudson River in Canada. Uh And they were at a kennel on the Hudson River in Canada, and a, a polar bear came towards them. And it was very clear that this polar bear, polar bear was hunting, uh, that this polar bear was uh, definitely going to attack one of these dogs. And there were about 40 or 50 dogs chained onto a fence. Oh. And, yeah. And what ended up happening at that moment is that one of the dogs, instead of going into sort of fight-or-flight uh, position or, or um, behavior, the dog went into a behavior of or physical state of play the dog wanted to play with the bear oh interesting and yeah what ended up happening at that moment is that basically the bear recognized this 
um, this play posture, this desire to play, and the bear changed his posture and began playing with the dogs. Mm. And he played with them for over an hour. Wow, wow. Okay, great yeah. story, great story. Okay, believe it or not, it's time for us to take our last commercial break of the show. See, <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. So uh, when we come back, let's just talk about um, some highlights of the book, some things that you want to make sure that our audience uh, can take away with them, some little tips, and we'll talk all about where they can get the book and, and your special announcement for our audience. So everybody, okay. please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with Laura Baxter, uh, opera singer and author of the book, Dealing with Divas and Other Difficult Personalities. So, um, Laura, uh, before we end the show, so are there any um, uh, last highlights or just important points that over your years of working with people that you feel it's like just important for people to at least have in their consciousness to at least be aware of in some way? Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there, there are a lot of things. Um, but actually, can I go back, Sam, to the point of the play, of, of the state of play for a second? Oh, sure, sure. With the story of the polar, the bear, polar yeah. bear and the dogs. I love that. Um, what that taught me when I saw those pictures is that when we come, when we connect with other people, if we when we're coming into a situation that we find difficult, if we actually allow ourselves to come into a playful state, and the playful state could be something like flirting, it can be actually, um, you know, I okay. I don't know about you, I love basketball. So if a basketball is in the room, I, I start to dribble it. Um, <laughs> and the state that you're in when you're playing in the sense of, of you know, in, in the case of basketball or in the state that you're in when you're just in a playful state, um, is an amazingly strong state to be in. Yeah. So the next time you, one of the most important things to do, the next time before you know that you're going to come into contact with somebody you find difficult, is actually to say to yourself, I would like to come into a state of play and interact with full of respect and mindfulness. I would like to to literally play with this person. I would like to come into this state of play with this person. And it's it's amazing what happens because you relax and you enjoy it. Right, right. And I suppose the last tip would be um, that has to do with the state of love. Hmm. Is as well as reminding yourself of being, you know, of the things that you're grateful for. It's also super important to remind yourself of the things that you genuinely love, the people in your life who've given you love, the people in your life that you do love, you yourself love, and the things that you love. Because often if we're aware of what it is that we that we love in our work and that we love in our everyday um, everyday life, things become much, much, much easier. 
Right, 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 right. Because again, you know, when we when we focus upon those things that we love, it lifts our spirit, it lifts our energy, mm-hmm. it 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 helps us to be more grateful, and and it just you know it adds that extra grease to the wheels, so to speak. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and and I just uh, going back on the idea of play for a minute. So being playful, you know, is a way of sort of diffusing very difficult situations. And it sort of reminds me, uh, one time I was managing, I was was working at this health insurance company. I managed a group of data entry people, and I had a supervisor who, who was a really nice man. And, and there were two, two clerks came up to him, and they were talking about something during a break, and they were kind of arguing with each other, and, and they were arguing with this guy Giovanni in, the, in front of him and saying, so, so Giovanni, what do you think? Which one of us is right? What do you think? And, and, and he looks at one, and he looks at the other, and he looks at one, and he looks at the other, and he goes, you want to know what I think? And they're like, yeah. He goes, you really want to know what I think? And they're like, yeah. He goes, I think I'm hungry. I need to get something to eat. And they just cracked up laughing and totally diffused the situation because they were like a little a little heated. And, and so I always yeah. remember that from having seen that and experienced it because it was just such a fun way of diffusing a situation. But you do need to be a little bit mindful of the position that you're in and who you're playing with and and knowing like whether this person you're going to play with is going to take what you're going to do as play or not because some people can be a little sensitive and say what are you not taking me seriously so yeah. so you kind of have to know your uh, who you're playing with exactly yeah very much that's very important and that's uh, again why when we go into that state really to be mindful of the situation to mindfulness and also respect because play has a lot of different characters when we play a game it's also if you're playing basketball you can also have the mindset you know i want to win and it becomes very aggressive that's not what i mean with this the state of play it's really respecting the other person being mindful of the situation and genuinely wanting to come wanting to play with them and whatever that means in the situation and that works even also for uh, for example stage fright Mm. Um, if you when you walk onto the stage if you think I you know just think about the audience say I want to I want to play with them I want I want to you know enjoy I want to as if you know like a ball going back and forth I would love love to just play with them and then it becomes much easier and lighter General. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It makes me think of a quote uh, from one of the other radio shows on the network that someone recently said about, you know, when you get those butterflies in your stomach, it's okay. You just want to get them to fly in formation. So, you know, play with the butterflies. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. So, so I'm curious, Laura, since you've been in Germany for so many years, um, is there sort of a cultural difference that we need to keep in mind? Because I imagine, you know, Germans are a little bit different than Americans, although America is a melting pot. But you do need to be a little bit mindful of sort of the cultural uh, context in which people work in, right? Definitely. Definitely. And certainly one of the things here is if, um I think Germans are known for not having, or one of the stereotypes is not having a sense of humor. Right. It's not true. But still, it's a stereotype. <laughs> um, and this concept of play is actually the first several times that I talked about that in seminars or when I was giving um, you know, keynotes or something about about my work. Um, I got some skeptical looks. Yeah. And I have to say, though, I, one of the things, and, and these pictures are also in the book, uh, you know, in, in, in sharing the story of how play can work to totally change the other person. Mm. Um, and also, literally, actually what happens is it changes your set, your mindset. You go from the fight or flight into, into just wanting to engage with the person that you're with. Um, I, I've not... I've not found anyone here that that's been against it, but I do think Amer- the American culture—it's a little easier to yeah. be more playful. Right. That's, I think that's definitely uh, definitely one of the major differences in the cultures. Yes, yes. Um, well, Laura, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Um, tell our audience, like, where can they go to find out more about you and to find out when the book is—you know, where to get the book once it's released? Um, my website is. Is www voice for that's the number four so voice for leadership dot com, okay. and um, 
So again, voiceforleadership.com. And the book, I'll also give you a link for your website as well where they can, where the, the listeners can, can, to, can um, have a link to download the book. We are actually, once the book comes out in roughly two weeks, we're going to be offering it for a short period of time for free. And anyone who signs up now, so if you want to go ahead and get started as well, then I will actually, a special present from me, send you the first several chapters of the book so you can go ahead and get started on the first half of the book. That's basically the, the defining the situation and the strong inner presence. Oh, wow. And then I'll uh, send you as well the information as to how to get the book when it comes out for free. When I say the book for free, I mean the Kindle version of the book. Right, right, right. And then after those two weeks, then the print version will be coming out as well, and both the Kindle and print versions will be sold then, not no longer for free, available for free. Um, anyone listening to this later, though, after, um, after this two-week period is over, I've got a special offer for... For them as well. So anyone who buys the book, the paper form, or buys the Kindle form later, mm-hmm. uh, just send me your order number from Amazon and or from wh- wherever you buy the book, and I will send you a free a free access to a webinar on um, going, which goes through the book. It's in four different parts, talking about and explaining even further in depth um, the four different aspects of um, of the diva. All right, wonderful. Defining, basically defining the situation, the inner strengths, valuing yourself and others, that's the V, uh-huh. and associating with the other person. Ah, okay, and there we have it, diva. Well, thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, what is it, about 7 o'clock in the evening there now? Yeah, yeah, about 7 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. Well, thank you so much, and I, I really uh, I appreciate the offers to our listeners. Uh, when you send me the link, we'll, we'll get it up on the post for the, the show, and, and we'll put it out on our social media and everywhere so people will see it. Thanks for having me, Sam. It's great talking to you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You have a wonderful day now. And uh, for all of our listeners, once again, just a little reminder for the Conscious Business Collective. We are meeting next week, May 25th, uh, down on 26th and Broadway. Um, So if you want to... Uh, meet an amazing group of people who are doing the inner work together, please come. You can find out all the details at our meetup group website, meetup.com slash conscious dash B-I-Z dash collective. And uh, we may have some announcement about that. We might be changing some things around that in the near future. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Remember, Fridays, we got more great new live shows, and we will talk to you next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Follow Me me Friday Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! (laughs) (laughs) Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com.
You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 